Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, if you wouldn't mind. We're going to be in verses 17 through 26, Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26 this morning. As you're turning there, I want you to remember this. There's more to life than just this life. Can you say that with me? There's more to life than just this life. There's more to life than just this life. That's so important to remember. So critical to remember. There's more to life than just this life. Andrew and I have some friends named, their names are Tim and Kathy Laughlin. And they are missionaries in the Republic of Ireland. And we actually served alongside Tim and Kathy for a couple years when we were missionaries in Ireland as well. Now, when Tim and Kathy were raising financial support to go to Ireland, Tim started a blog, and he called his blog Living on the Line, Not the Dot. Living on the Line, Not the Dot. And I want to kind of illustrate this. Girls, can I get your help? Okay. All right, here. Kirsten, stand there. Hold this end. Allie, come here. All right. Living on the Line, go ahead and stand up. All right, Allie, come over here. Okay. They didn't know they were doing this, okay? Told us for the moment. All right, here you go. Stand here. You're doing great. All right. Now hold this. If, you, if they make you nervous, you can face me. But if I make you more nervous, you better face them. Okay? All right, great. Okay, pull it tight. Good. Living on the line, not the dot. And what Tim means by that is this line represents all that Jesus has promised us beyond this life. It's eternity. It represents eternity. And for those of us that follow Jesus, there's so much that Jesus has promised those of us who have surrendered, repented of our sins, and have received Him as as our Savior. There's so much that He's given to us, and just this line represents eternity. Now, if this line represents eternity, and you and I have about 70 to 80 years on this line, where's that going to, how much of the line is it going to take up? Not much, right? That's called the dot. So this is about, this is me, this is my lifespan. On this whole line. This is me. This is you and me, right? This is the dot. And what Tim is saying is, I want to live my life on the line. I want to live my life with the line in view and not the dot. That's how I want to live my life. And this morning, Luke is going to show us, thanks girls, Luke's going to show us as he records a sermon of Jesus for his friend Theophilus, that if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to truly surrender to him, it's going to involve us living with the line in view and not the dot. Living with the line in view, not the dot. Now Tim, he was in his 50s. When they left to go to Ireland, was a successful businessman as an insurance um, agent, did all kinds of great things uh, business-wise, a great home, great family, all his kids were here. But God just stirred in them to say, you know what? At this point in our life, God's moving us to go to a a people we don't know, a country we've never been to, and that's where we're going to live our lives for Jesus Christ. Now that's not everybody's journey. That God doesn't have that required of everyone that follows him, but for them that was that's what living on the line looked like for them. And I want you to think what does living on the line look like for me? What does living on the line and living with the line in view and not the dot? What's that look like for me? Or what's that look like for us as a couple? What's that look like for us as a family? And even what's that look like for us as a church? I want you to think through that this morning. Living on the line and not the dot. Because we live in a culture, right? A world where everybody is putting everything, all their energy into the dot. 
That's, where, that's why they work so hard. That's what they're doing. They're hoping that this little time of dot can bring them everything that the line is promised because of Jesus Christ. And so we live in a culture that's focused on the dot, and it's so easy for us, even as Christians, to even get kind of caught into that because we live among that. But Jesus says, no, if you're going to follow me, we live with the line in view. And there's so much that I've promised those who follow me. And that's what he wants to show us this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 17 through 26. What does looking or what does living with the line in view look like for us? Chapter 6, verse 17 through 26. Follow along with me. He went down, Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Then looking at his disciples, Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. What Luke, I think, is doing here for Theophilus is this. He's recording this sermon for him because... He wants Theophilus to see that this is what it might look like if you follow Jesus. This is what it might look like if you follow him. And Jesus in Luke chapter 14 talks about, listen, if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost. You need to count the cost. Just like a builder might count materials and look at everything, and this is what it's going to take to accomplish this, to build this structure. Jesus said, you need to do the same if you're going to follow me. And so I believe Luke is recording this this sermon for Theophilus to help him understand that maybe Theophilus has just left everything to follow Jesus. And so this is going to be a great encouragement for Theophilus. But maybe Theophilus is kind of on the fence. Maybe like, you know what, I'm seeing Jesus, I'm seeing some great things, but I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to truly surrender to him yet. This is going to be challenging. This is going to be convicting, but he's also going to show him, listen, if you do surrender to Jesus you need to understand that there's more to life than just this life. How does he know this? Because Jesus said so. Because Jesus promised it. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're leaving everything to follow Jesus. This is going to be encouraging for you. For those of us, maybe others of us are like, we're not quite sure. It's going to be challenging. But what Luke does is he's going to record Jesus' words and he's going to remind you that, listen, Jesus doesn't call you to follow him for nothing. All right? Jesus doesn't call you to follow him for nothing. Jesus actually calls you to follow him because he wants to give you everything. That's why it's called grace. So Jesus doesn't call us to follow him for nothing. Jesus calls us to follow him because he, he said, I have so much for you. So much of my grace I want to give to you. That's why I've called you to follow me. And so a little bit of the setting here to the, for the sermon 
Luke gives us a setting. Jesus has just spent all night in prayer. He's chosen his 12 apostles who are going to be now his fellowship, if you will, his fellowship of the king, if you will. And so Jesus and his band, his band, a band of men, of men come down the mountain to a mortal place, and the place is packed, jam-packed with people. They go down with Jesus. They're standing on a level place. There's people from, from all over, from 20 to 50 miles. Obviously, they didn't have cars back then, so people are coming from, from Fairfield. If Jesus is having a meeting here, people are coming from Fairfield. They're coming from you know, east side, west side. They're coming up from maybe Lexington. They're coming up to see this guy, Jesus. The place is packed with people. People are being healed. There's this power coming out of Jesus, Luke says, and people just want to touch him. Because there's something amazing about this Jesus. Now, what Luke does is he presents three different groups of people here. There's three different groups of people standing on this this level place. The first are the 12 apostles. Because he says he went, verse 17, he went down with them. He went down with them. Who's the them? The guys he just called to choose. Or the the guys he just chose to follow him. So that's the them. So there's the 12. And then he says there's a large crowd of the disciples was there. So that's a, a, a second group. That's more of a middle group. That's maybe those who are following. They're kind of walking with Jesus, but maybe they have yet to truly surrender to him. And then there's a third group, and that's a great number. He describes it here as a great number of people who came to hear Jesus and be healed. These are the curious. These are the what's in it for me. These are the people coming from Dayton to see the show. They're like, maybe there's some, they want Jesus to heal them, but they're not quite sure who this guy is yet. They're curious. Well, who does Jesus address this sermon to? Verse 20, he says, looking at his disciples. It's that middle group. It's that middle group of of people that have been following Jesus. Maybe some have left everything to follow Jesus. Maybe others are considering it. And we know that because if you look at verse 22 of Luke 6, he says this, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So this whole context of this sermon, I believe Jesus is dressing it to people who have already left all to follow Jesus, or they're people that are thinking about leaving all to follow Jesus. And we know that because of his words, because of the Son of Man. This is happening to you because you follow me. This is your life because you have left all to follow me. And I think it's important that Jesus addresses this, and Luke records this, him addressing it to his disciples, because this is the group I think Theophilus found himself in. This is the group I think he would have said, I'm there, I'm, I'm not the curious, I'm, I'm maybe not the twelve apostles, but I'm, I'm a disciple that I've left everything to follow Jesus, so I'm thinking about it. And so this is so important for Theophilus, and this is what Luke wants him to see. Luke wants to encourage him by reminding him that there's more to life than just this life if you follow Jesus. And he wants to show Theo what it can look like if you follow Jesus and what's waiting for you if you do. Now, many of us know this sermon as the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard that phrase before, and it's actually one of Jesus' famous sermons. Jonathan Edwards, who was a preacher in the Great Awakening, is, is known as the, the man who preached the famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And that's what he became famous for. For Jesus, it's this sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And the sermon begins with what's often referred to as the Beatitudes. Now, the Gospel writer, some differences here between Matthew, the Gospel writer Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount, and Luke records it. Now, Matthew goes into great detail. Luke kind of records just the summary, if you will, 
of, of this sermon. Luke's writing to a Gentile. Matthew's writing to Jews. Luke includes woes, and we read those earlier. Matthew doesn't include those, and woes are, are judgment, things of judgment. Again, I think he's trying to show that, listen, if you follow Jesus, here's what you can expect, and here's what's waiting for you, but if you reject Jesus, here's what's waiting for you. And he wants to make that line very clear. And when you read Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, what, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Luke doesn't record that. He just says, blessed are you who are poor. Or blessed are you who hunger now. And so Matthew seems to give more of the spiritual application. I think he's wanting to show why we need to follow Jesus because we're spiritually uh, empty. And I think what Luke is trying to show that if you do follow Jesus, here's what it could look like. Here's what it could look like. Because he's addressing a group of people that have either left everything to follow Jesus or are considering doing that. And again, he's writing specifically to a man named Theophilus who finds himself in that camp. Again, Jesus, when he calls us to follow him, he does not call us for nothing. He calls us to follow him because he wants to give us everything. By everything, I'm not talking about all material possessions. I'm talking about what's coming. And that's what he's going to reveal to his followers in a moment. So Theophilus begins reading the sermon And he's about to see the promises Jesus makes to those who have surrendered, repenting of their sins and surrendered their lives to him. And he begins with this. Looking at his disciples, he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed. What do we mean by blessed? It means supremely blessed, fortunate. Someone described it as the the one that's blessed is the one who's the object of grace and is happy because of it. These are the people that are going, I can't believe God chose me to follow Him, and I follow Him. That's amazing. And they're blown away by that. They're blown away with the fact that they have a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, you're truly blessed. Well, who's the blessed? He says the blessed are the poor. Well, what's He mean by that? Again, there is that spiritual poverty of heart that, that Matthew re- reveals in his gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. But I believe here Luke is even showing the material situation that can happen for those who follow Jesus. And he's saying, listen, for those of you that maybe have less in your bank account or less in your pocketbook because you follow Jesus, you're the ones who are truly blessed. You're the ones that are blessed. And being poor physically and materially was the state of many first century Christians. Many first century Christians, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that the Macedonian or the living communities in Macedonia, they were poor, yet they still gave to living communities in Jerusalem because they were poor. So this was a state of people who followed Jesus in many ways. They They were physically poor. But Jesus says, listen, if that's your situation because of me, Because you have people in your home and you're shelling out food or you're seeing people on the street and Spirit convicts you and so you're helping them out and you're not like, well, we didn't really budget that item, but we're going to give anyway because God's telling us to do it. You're going to do it. And that's your life? He's saying, listen, you're blessed. And you're doing that because you love me and you're doing that because of the grace that I've given you? He's like, you're the ones that are blessed. Why? Because there's more waiting for you, he says. Those who are poor, he says, that you're blessed because yours is the kingdom of God. That's present tense. Jesus on the cross paid your membership fee to get into the kingdom of God. And those who surrender their hearts and by faith put their trust in Jesus, you are a member in God's kingdom. That's the line. 
that's the line. That's why you've got to look at the line. And so maybe physically as you follow Jesus materially, you may not have as much as everybody else because you're serving and you're giving it out and you're, and you're helping people. Listen, Jesus looks at you and says, you're the one that's truly blessed. There's a kingdom that you're a part of and it's mine. And I'm giving it to you and it's present tense, meaning the moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and by faith repent of your sins and He comes in through His Spirit, He says, you become a member in the kingdom. It's yours. It's yours. Yours is the kingdom of God. I've given that to you as a means of my grace. It's present tense. Peter said this, he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So that's salvation, a relationship with Jesus. And He's given us into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. A couple weeks ago, we were going to the reception of a wedding, and there was a, a lady standing on the side of the street, right, holding up a sign, needing money. And, and, you know, we all have different views of that, right? We're standing, we're, we're sitting there in the car, and immediately Andrea's like, pulls out the, you know, pocketbook or whatever, and we're like, just, let's just give it to him. Like, okay, right? We didn't budget that. Okay, we didn't budget it. Right, we've got a little budget. I mean, we get our little envelope system deal that we use, right? Where's that going to come? It's going to come out of something. It's going to come out of something. It didn't make us poor in doing that, right? But at the same time, when you follow Jesus and you surrender to Jesus and there's needs, it might mean that you might have less in your bank account. It might mean that because you're giving and having people in your home and doing meals and different things like that or hosting living community and buying the different stuff, it might mean you have less materially because you're giving it. Jesus says you're blessed. Yours is the kingdom of God. That's the line. You've got to look at life with the line in view and not the dot. And the line that Jesus says here, the line in view is the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and he says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. So those who follow Jesus, it might mean that you have less in your bank account, less in your pocketbook, and it also might mean you have less in your fridge. It might mean you have less in your food pantry. It might mean you have less in your freezer because you're just giving it. You're helping people. You're meeting needs for the sake of Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, you will be satisfied. The line is, you will be satisfied. And being hungry was the case of many first century followers of Jesus. It was there, it, it was, Paul said this. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's a well-quoted verse, but know what it's in the context of. It's in the context of understanding I may not have as much as the next guy because I follow Jesus, but I can get through it because I got Jesus, and He's enough. And He's enough. He's promised to take care of me. He's promised to meet my needs. And that's exactly what Paul said later on. He said, my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And what you might need is less in your pantry. What God may think you need is less so that you can be more dependent upon Him. That's, doesn't that fly in the face of, of what we, the culture we live in? I'm not saying we go and we sell it, but it might be if that happens because you follow Jesus, God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to, to draw you in to follow Him. What are you really depending on? 
And he says, you will be satisfied. And ultimately, that satisfaction comes in the very person and presence of Jesus himself. Because the psalmist says this, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. And he says, this is future tense. right? He says, you will be satisfied. There's coming a day when Jesus returns when we will feast. When we will feast. There's coming a day. And that's why we have to look at the line and not the dot. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what this might mean is, listen, there's people in need around us, our neighbors, our friends, people in our living community, and we're just going to give it. We're going to take canned goods. We're gonna just going to give it. We're just going to do it. Because that's out of the grace that Jesus has given us. How can we not? And Jesus says, listen, if you're doing these things for the sake of me, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're the ones. You're the ones truly fortunate because of what I'm promising you on the line. What I'm promising. And then he moves on and he says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And these are, these are people that maybe for the sake of Jesus, it means you have to leave family. You have to leave friends. You end up going to another country. I remember when I had to tell my mom, and my mom doesn't handle bad news well. I mean, no one handles bad news, right? Well, but I'm just saying like, you just never were negative. You just try not, not to be not you need to, not, just, I'll take, leave it there, okay? She might listen to this later, I don't know, but. So when I had to tell my mom that at that moment we were leaving to go to Ireland and taking her at that point, I think, the only grandchildren, right, at that point, away to another country, man, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't know. And wept. We both just wept, right? That's hard. That's hard to do. I remember my mom also, when my brother was in his, in, in his teens, was not making great choices, good decisions at all. And he, they sent him off to some church camp. And he got in trouble at the camp. And my mom, I remember telling me the story. She's like, Mark, in that moment, I just got on my knees on my bed. And I just poured out my, my heart and my tears to the Lord on behalf of your brother, Phil. Listen, when you follow Jesus, it might mean tears. It might mean there's weeping. It might mean that that comes because you have to say goodbye to some relationships that maybe they don't follow Jesus and you do. Or maybe it means to follow Jesus, he's saying, I want you to go over here. I want you to move. That might mean leaving neighbors or friends, and that's difficult. And that might mean weeping, but Jesus says, listen, you're blessed. For there's coming a day when you will laugh, and that means joy. It's referencing joy. There's coming a day when you will experience joy. We see this in Scripture, right? The church wept when Paul announced to the Ephesian church that he was going to Jerusalem. The the elders wept over him because they thought that was his end. They're like, Paul, don't go. We think you're going to die in Jerusalem. They're going to have your head. And they wept over him. Following Jesus isn't easy, but Jesus says, listen, it might mean weeping, but there's coming a day when you're looking at the line, there's coming a day when I return, Jesus will wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more mourning, no more crying. That's why you have to look at the line and follow Jesus with the line in view and not the dot, Jesus says. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And then he says, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. I mean, don't you read this? You're like, dude, I'm not signing up for Jesus. Good grief, right? We're going to weep. We're going to like cry. We're going to go hungry. We're going to pour. People are going to hate us. Really? Seriously? 
That, that's what he's saying. That could be the, the case for some who follow Jesus. But it, that's the dot. We're just looking at the dot. Jesus is saying, no, 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 listen, I'm promising this for you. You're part of the kingdom. I'm promising you a day when the tears will be wiped away, when you will experience joy in my presence forever. I'm promising this for you. And he says, blessed are those of you when men hate you, exclude you, insult you, reject you because of me. Because of me, he says. And some of us, some, we've experienced that, right? You follow Jesus and maybe you have family that has ostracized you because of your commitment now to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you don't get invited anymore by your friends to the parties that you used to, right? And they're all having a good time. You're seeing their pictures or whatever. And you're like, man, that's difficult. And maybe those friends that you used to hang out, maybe they're actually making fun of you behind your back because you're now hanging out with a bunch of church people and you're following this Jesus. Jesus says, you're the one that's blessed. For the sake of me, you are the one. I notice that, Jesus says. I see it. I love you. You're the one that's blessed. You're blessed. And he says, rejoice in that day. Why? Because great is, present tense, your reward in heaven. I mean, Peter was imprisoned because he followed Jesus. Paul and Silas, the same. And it's very possible, I wonder if Luke was with them in that prison. And Jesus says, when, you, when that happens to you, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy because great is your reward. Where's the reward? Where is it? In heaven. It's on the line. It's in heaven. It's there. Jesus sees it. He knows it. He knows it's hard. And he says, listen, I'm promising this for you. I'm pro- if you surrender to, and follow me. And listen, there's coming a day when you're going to experience the, the, the kingdom, my kingdom, Jesus says, when, he, when I return and I'm going to wipe every tear away and you're going to feast, there's going to be joy. Gonna be, it's going to be crazy, incredible. And he says, you're the ones that are truly blessed. But he doesn't stop there. Look what happens next in 24. He says, but woe to you who are rich. Now he's saying, is it wrong to have money? No, he's not saying that at all. He's making a contrast. He's contrasting those who have left everything who now live with the line in view as opposed to those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus and only live for the dot. That's who he's contrasting. And he says, Woe to you who only live for what you can get in this life now. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you're going to go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. So here... Luke records these blessings and then he includes these woes because he wants to make a stark contrast. Listen, there is more to life than just this life, not only for the one who follows Jesus, but there's more to life than just this life for the person that rejects Jesus too. And that's the difference. That's a, people that are living for the dot and they reject Jesus, Jesus says they're coming a day. Woe means condemnation. Woe means judgment. That there will be consequences for rejecting His grace. For rejecting His grace. And those consequences, ultimately, and you can read this in Luke 16, is hell. It's hell. Heard the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Read that story in Luke 16. This guy was living for the moment, all about all he could get was enough stuff for, for the dot. And he was apart from Jesus. Then you had this other guy who, he was a follower of Jesus, and he didn't have much And then they both die. And the one who didn't have much, his name is Lazarus, he ends up in the presence of God. He experiences the line. 
The other guy rejected Jesus, lived for the dot, and ends up in hell. And he says, please go. Tell my brothers. Tell them. Tell them the hope of Jesus. Tell them. I'm begging you. Jesus wants to make it clear that if you're a follower of him, he doesn't call you to follow him for nothing. He calls you to follow him because he wants to give you everything. That's why it's called grace. But if you reject him, there is consequence. There is judgment for your rejection of his grace. Those aren't easy words, right? But that's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's communicating here. And Jesus promises that those who are in Christ, right? Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. If you're here in Jesus, you've got the line to look forward to. That's what you're living for. You're living for what Jesus promised you on the line. That's what you're living for. He's promised it. It may not be easy now to follow Him, but He's promised so much more. But if you're here and you're only surrendering, you know, we live amongst the people. You go to work every day. You, you live next to people. I live next. All they're living for is the dot. And we have their hope. We have. We have the message. And, and we need to tell them about Jesus and tell them what's coming, that there's more to life than just this life. And Jesus has promised it for us. But if you reject Him, there's more too. And that's condemnation and judgment. And we need to communicate that to those whom God has called us to. So how do you live this way, right? I mean, how do we live this way as followers of Jesus? I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. How do you you live with the line in view? How do you live with the line in view? Because maybe for some of us who follow Jesus, maybe it might mean you have less in the pantry, you have less in your bank account. Maybe it may mean weeping. It might not, but for many of us it will. How do, you, how, do you, how do you live with the line in view? And I think the Hebrews writer tells us, he says, therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Listen, chapter 11, he's just given a huge list of people that left everything to follow Jesus. Right? They've given, they follow Jesus. How did they do that? Chapter 11, they lived with the line in view, not the dot. How did they stay faithful? They lived with the line in view, not the dot. And that's what he's saying. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's how you do this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him, looking at the line, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Our greatest example of what it looks like to live with the line in view and not the dot is Jesus Himself. It's Jesus Himself. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He endured the cross knowing that there's going to come a day when He's going to rescue you and you're going to be in His presence forever. That's why Jesus had the line in view, not the dot. So, which is it for you? Which is it for me? This morning. I mean, what would it look like if you woke up in the morning on Monday and actually had the thought, okay, I'm going to go to work today with the line in view and not the dot? Would you do anything differently? Would you see your coworkers differently? 
would you change maybe where you go on your lunch break or whatever? I'm not saying maybe you go away from them. Maybe you go to them so you can share the message of hope with them. I don't, what would it look like if you actually began living life as a family, as a couple, as a living community with the line in view and not the dot? And I get it. Andrea and I were talking earlier. We're like, man, it's so easy to get so distracted, isn't it? There's so much stuff going on with technology. I mean, all these are phones and Facebook and life and we hang out with people and you go to work. And man, it's just like it's so easy to get focused on the dot. And forget that, no, Jesus has promised so much more for those who follow him. And there's so many people that are desperate to know the hope of Jesus. To be rescued. Because we all know this leaves you empty. Empty. And if we're chasing after everything that they're chasing, why in the world would they want Jesus? Why? If they're looking at us and they think, you're pursuing the same dot. Wow, cool. How's that? You know, and they don't see anything. Why would they want our Jesus? Jesus is going, listen, if you're going to follow me, it may mean you have less in your bank. It may mean you have less in the fridge. It may mean leaving and crying. And, and that's difficult. But listen, you've got to live. If you're going to follow me, you've got to look at the line and have the line in view. I promise this for you. And I will be your joy through it all. I will be your joy. I'm enough. I promised you. I went to the cross for you. Do you not think that I will take care of you? If I went to the cross for you, I will take care of you. I will. Dot or line? And Jesus says, and Luke is telling Theophilus, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus doesn't follow, call you to follow him for nothing. He calls you to follow him because he wants to give you everything. That's why it's his grace. But as you follow him, you must remember to live with the line in view and not the dot. And ask the guys to come up and just start playing. I just want to take the next couple minutes of just quiet, silent prayer. Just you and God. What would it look like? And say, God, help me to see. What, what would it look like for me, for us, for my family, for me and my spouse, for our, my friends, our roommates? What, what would it look like for us to live life following you with the line in view, what would that look like? And would you just take the next moment to maybe just talk to him? Maybe we need to repent because we've been living for the dot and not looking at the line. I don't know, but just take the next few moments and the quietness of this moment and just talk to him. What's he saying to you this morning?